fact, I entitled this message today, Jesus Became a Curse So That We Might Walk in Blessing." right? And so it's, it's about this idea of what Jesus did on the cross for us when he died. If any of us have been around church for very long, you know, grew up in Sunday school like I did, I've made the old joke, I had a drug problem when I was a kid, my mom drugged me to church every time the door was open, right? Y'all heard that before, but yeah, da-da-da, yeah. And so, uh, but, but it, we hear this idea that Jesus died for our sins on the cross, and that's a huge deal. There's nothing small about that, and that whenever, if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then when we pass from this life, we move on to eternity with Him in heaven. And, and that's, that's fabulous, but there is so much more in God's Word and so much more about what Jesus did for us when He went on the cross, when He died on the cross. And that's what we want to talk about today, is how Jesus became a curse for us. But it's not just about us being blessed, okay? Sometimes, sometimes it, it, it's easy for us to be a little bit egocentric, right? That means focusing on the inside, and I'm as worse as, as that as anyone, because we begin to think about the promises of the Bible in terms of how it, they're blessings for us and how my life will be more comfortable, and all that's true. I think Jesus came that we might be prosperous and we might be blessed, but there's another idea about it. I want to give you the context before we really get into the text of, the, of my message today. And that context is actually found in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. If you want to turn there, I think it's going to come up here in just a minute. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Okay? It says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay? So in this book, in this passage... Paul is teaching, of, uh, he's illustrating, using marriage as an illustration for how Christ views the church. And he's looking at us as Christians, us as believers, as the bride of Christ. And that's what he's talking about. And there's more about this in Revelation in another place. But he goes on and says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Okay? He's talking about us, right? Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're part of the church, the corporate church. Okay? So the corporate church is not just this building, it's not just this congregation, it's talking about the corporate church all across the world. And it's those who have accepted Christ. And this passage says that we are being prepared to be the bride of Christ. There will come a time at the end of the age when Jesus will return back to this earth, literally. He will come back to this earth. And at that time, we will be united with him in marriage. In fact, I believe that we'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? In heaven, we'll be there with him. We'll have that communion with him that a bride has with her groom. Now, in the meantime, though, what's going on here on this earth is that we are being prepared to become the bride of Christ so that we might be fit and proper, holy without blemish, that we might be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Now, some of that occurs when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you accept Jesus, then you move into being clothed with his righteousness. That means you're in right standing with God. That's why you can go pray to God and expect your prayers to be answered because when you accept Christ, you become clothed with his righteousness. You're in right standing with God. 
Okay? And so there's part of that idea of being without spot or blemish. Part of that idea happens automatically when you receive Christ. Okay? And so that's, that's something that we, we trust and we believe in by faith. But there's another aspect of this that Paul's talking about, and this is why I'm bringing this message. Okay? And the reason why I'm bringing this message is that so we might be sanctified and cleansed with the washing of, of water by the Word. Sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water. Those words there in the Greek tense indicate a continuous process. Not something that happens automatically. When you're saved and you become righteous and, and, uh, because of the blood of Christ, that's an automatic occurrence. But this sanctification and this cleansing, I-N-G, right, is a continual process. That's why, okay, that's why hopefully you get up on Sunday mornings and you come to church. That's why you get up hopefully every morning and or every evening and you spend some time just with you and the Lord reading the Word. Because what He's doing is He's sanctifying you. He's setting you apart. He's making you look more like His bride in every day of our life. And He's washing us. And by the way, it's not a fire hose, you know. It's a washing of the water. It's like, you know, picture Jesus just scooping water up into his, into his hands and just letting it fall over us. Right? He just scoops up that water and he just opens up his hands and it just flows over us. So that every time you hear an anointed message, <laughs> hopefully this will be one, right? But every time you hear an anointed message or every time you read the word of God, what's happening is Jesus is just taking that word and he's just cleansing his church. He's cleansing the bride of Christ so that we might look more like him. We might look more, have more of his presence in the world. When y'all went out yesterday on, on your share day and serve day, excuse me, and, and, and did that work, you were looking like the bride of Christ. You know, it, it's this people look and say, okay, I see Jesus reflected in these people and in this congregation. That's the role of the church. And that's your role in the church so that you might be sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water by the word, okay? So that's the context in which we talk about. A good illustration of this, I came across this the other day um, in, in, in the internet, and, and uh, I've got a homepage that opens up to Yahoo Sports, right? And, and so I see, that, I see that Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, you guys know who Tim Tebow is? He's a college athlete, quarterback, played football for many years. Tim Tebow is now trying uh, to, to make it in baseball. He's, he's like with the Class A Mets organization. He's down the minor leagues. He's trying to learn baseball. Well, Tim Tebow was born a great athlete, right? I mean, the guy's 6'3", he's 255. He has great, you know, hand-to-eye coordination. He's got a lot of speed. He just has that. He was born an athlete. But he doesn't automatically become a baseball player just by picking up a bat. Right? Tim Tebow has to learn the mechanics of baseball. He has to learn, you know, the intricacies of that sport as compared to the one that he's been learning. He was born an athlete, but he has to walk in continuously learning how to play baseball, how to be a baseball player. Same with us. Right? Same with us. So today, what I'm going to help you all do is be better baseball players. <laughs> right? You're born righteous. You're born into the body of Christ. You're born into the church. And now it's time for us to learn how to walk this out. Okay? So I, pre I appreciate Pastor Brooks saying get your pens and papers out because I really, the worst thing in my mind would be 
that if I, if, if y'all heard a message or if I brought a message and you just kind of said, oh, okay, that's really nice. And then tomorrow it's just right on by. Okay. Because I always want it to be practical for you so that you can take it and, and change your life in a, in a dramatic way. Amen. Very good. Okay. So now let's talk about the text of today's, today's message. You can turn to Galatians 3. Okay. Galatians 3. This, by the way, <laughs> in 1984, I preached my very first message. I mean, like my first get up and preach a message. Uh, God bless this lady. She was a, 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 a pastor at, a, at an Assembly of God church over on the other side of town, and I was her attorney, okay? And I was helping her with some estate stuff, and her same was, name was Sister Willie Rogers. And uh, Sister Willie Rogers, we talked and got to be really good friends. And I, was, I told her, I said, well, I teach a Bible study. She goes, have you, ever, have you ever filled the pulpit? That's what she called it, filled the pulpit. And I said, no, I've, I've never filled the pulpit. And she goes, I want you to come preach at my, at my church. This was 1984, 85. I want you to come preach at my church. I'm going, oh, no, Sister, Sister Rogers, I don't, I don't preach. You know, I just, I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. She goes, oh, no, no, come do that. So I did. I taught this message, actually a version of it called Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, if you get that tape, I probably have the only one that exists, okay? I have it. I sound like an auctioneer in that I, I talked so fast and so unintelligibly. <clears throat> it's amazing, you know, that anybody got anything out of it. And so if you ever want to humble yourself, go back and listen to some of your early work, right? Because <clears throat> that's what I did. And that's, that's sure enough. Thank goodness they didn't have video then in that day or it would have been even worse. But that's how I consider <clears throat> this message to kind of be blocking and tackling. Right? Kind of the basics, the fundamental of Christ redeeming us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay? So here we go. Galatians 3.10 is where we'll start. And it says this, For as many as are of the works of the law, right? If you underline in your Bible or if you, you know, want to underline anything, as many are as are of the works of the law or under the curse. Okay? For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Okay? Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. You've probably heard that many times, the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So what Paul's talking about here. is the law and in some of your bibles that law the l in law might even be capitalized because it's talking about the law it's talking about essentially the first five books of the old testament okay genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy the first that's called the law in that those first five books in the law it's also called the pentateuch but in those first five books there are 613 commandments I didn't count them. I looked it up, right? 613 commandments beyond just the big 10, right? We know about the big 10, the 10 commandments. I shall not covet, you know, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, the top 10 commandments. But there are also 613 ordinances, statutes, decrees, and judgments that are contained in the law. And according to this passage and according to others, you have to keep each and every one of them if you choose to live under the law. You have to continue in all of those things. 
So in order to live a perfect life, in order to be holy before God, in order to live up to the standards that God set in, these, in the law, in the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, you would have to know and do every one of those commandments. The Pharisees, right, in Jesus' time, the Pharisees attempted to do that. They thought they were doing it. They took great, great pride in the fact that they were keeping the law, being obedient to the law, doing everything they could possibly do. What they saw was, here's these standards that God has set for man to try to live up to, for man to try to perform perfectly. These are these standards, 613 of them. Keep every one of them every day, and if you do that, then you are acceptable to God by your own performance, in your own strength, in your own merit, right? Do all of those things of the law, and you're fine. And so the Pharisee says, okay, well, you know, we can, we can do this. We think we can do this, except Jesus comes along after that, and he says, well, not only do you have to do them outwardly, you have to do them inwardly as well. You can't even think bad things, let alone do them, right? Matthew 5, <clears throat> Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, remember this, is Jesus, and this is the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus before the cross. Okay, hear this, because sometimes we read that, that Matthew 5 and we think, wow, I can't do all that. In fact, Matthew 5, 28, therein, therein Jesus says, be perfect just as your Father is perfect. Right? And so I've heard Matthew 5 being taught to people saying, okay, you've got to do this, you've got to love your neighbor, you've got to do it, and all these things, and you've got to do it perfectly. That was before the cross. That was before Jesus made available the gospel of grace. Right? He's still talking about the law. And here's what he says in Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. Right? So even inwardly, you've got to keep the law. 27 and 28, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Right? And so Jesus is just saying, okay, you guys think you're keeping all these 613 commandments. Outwardly, maybe you are, probably not. Maybe you are. But how about inwardly? Are you ever angry with your brother? Have you ever looked at a woman improperly and thought, thought impure thoughts? You know, have you ever called your neighbor a fool? It's another thing that he talks about. If you've ever done any of those things, you've fallen short of the standards that God has set. You've broken the law, right? You've broken the law. And so our Bible says, the Bible says that the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Okay, the law was a tutor. It said, okay, if you can't live up to all of this, if you can't do all these things perfectly, inwardly and outwardly, then you need a Savior. You need a Savior. It's the whole plan of salvation. Okay, here's the standard that the law sets. Live up to it. God bless you. (laughs) Not really, but um, live up to it. So they're out there trying to live up to it, and they keep falling short. Inwardly, outwardly, they keep falling short because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? It's biblical. All have sinned. And so God says, okay, but I've got a plan for you. I've got my son, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to send him. And by the way, he is going to fully perform the law. Amazingly enough, Jesus kept every jot and tittle, right? That's the, like the dot and the, 
little accent mark. He kept every jot and tittle of the law. He did it perfectly, mainly because he knew what the spirit of the law was, right? Because he had the spirit of the Lord in him. And so he kept every, every aspect of the law. He was totally and completely sinless during his earthly ministry. Even when he went on the cross, even when they were crucifying him, even when they were beating him and mocking him and spitting on him and doing all those things they were doing to him, he still kept the law. He still kept the law. He didn't, didn't think angry thoughts. He didn't think, you know, strike them down. In fact, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? So Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. On our behalf. But here's what the enemy does. He keeps trying to bring us back under the curse. He keeps trying to convince you that in order for you to be a, quote, perfect Christian, in order for you to be the perfect church member, you've got to perform. You've got to do this and do this and not do this and not do this and do this and fulfill this and don't do that. All these things. He lays all this out and says, do it in your own performance. Right? And and God is saying, no, no, no. Jesus did all that for you to take you out from that curse and instead to bring you into the blessings of Abraham. That we might walk in blessing instead of instead of cursing. Let me give you an analogy. I worked real hard on this. I'll ask my lovely assistant, Miss Cindy, to bring up my visual aids. Thank you very much. How about a round of applause for my lovely assistant? <laughs> okay, this is my visual aid. Okay, we can either walk in our own performance right? We can walk under the law. We can try to fulfill all of the 613 commandments on our own strength, or we can allow the gospel of grace to be at work in our lives, right? Trying to live under the law is like trying to hit this golf club right here, okay? This golf club is probably about 30 years old. It's a Wilson 1200 power sole that weighs about 15 pounds in your hand, Right? It's got this little bitty head. It's got this metal, metal uh, uh, plate on it. It's got this heavy, heavy steel shaft. Right? In order to hit this golf club very far or very straight, you've got to have a really good swing. Okay? You have to perform really well. You have to bring it back just right. You have to finish through just right. You have to do everything perfectly yourself if you want to hit a good drive with this golf club. It's like living under the law, okay? Got to do everything perfectly. Got to do it just right. You even have to think right, right? <laughs> You've got to think. You golfers know. Got to think right. Hit that ball. But technology has made available a new way right here. <laughs> this bad boy right here is a tailor-made M1 460cc driver with the Fujikura 60 Super Flex shaft, Okay? <laughs> Trust me, it's sweet, right? It's got adjustable weights right here. It's got adjustable hosel. You can do all kinds of things with this bad boy right here, right? And all you have to do with this golf club is swing effortlessly. Nice, easy swing, right? If you rear back and try, trust me, I've tried to do this. If you try to hit this golf club by swinging real hard and real fast, it's not going to work. If you try to hit this golf club on your, in your own effort, it's going to go high right. I did it yesterday several times. High right, right? OB, into the woods, high score, not good, okay? But if you trust the club, 
right? I mean, if you trust this golf club, you take a nice effortless swing by faith, you believe that it's going down the fairway, 300, 350 yards. Well, it's not magic. For me, it's more like 225, 250, right? But still, hitting, hitting straight drives. That's the difference. You can take the old club, you can do it the old way, and try to live under the law. How many of us do that, you know? On a regular basis, we try to do it in our own effort. We try to do it in our own strength. We're trying to hit that, you know, stay right in the fairway of life, right? Right down the middle by, by swinging this old club. Or you can receive the gospel of grace, right? You can receive everything that Jesus has done for us and made available for us and just trust it by faith that God's made available, that God is working in you. It's not in your own effort. What you need to be, quote, doing is resting in Him. It's resting in Him. And the more you hear the Word, the more you walk in the provisions that that are made available to you, then the easier that becomes. You can do that by faith, right, on a daily basis. Thank you, sweetie. I'll give these back to you. Okay, so then Paul goes on to talk about the fact that we're redeemed from the curse of the law, right? And then he says that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles by faith. Let's look at Galatians 3, 13, and 14, okay? Galatians 3, 13, and 14, and this says this. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Boy, that's just good right there. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now let's get in and dig about in in that just a little bit and explain some things that are very important. First off, when he talks about Christ redeeming us from the curse of the law, you don't do it now, we don't, don't have time to do it now, but you can go to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, okay? Verses 15 through 61. Okay, 15 through 61, Deuteronomy 28. And you will see a whole list of all of the curses that comes upon anyone who tries to live by the law and fails to do so. 15 through 61, whole bunch of curses. And then verse 61 says, and anything that's not written already in the previous 50-some verses, that'll come on you too, right? (laughs) Cursed you'll be going in, cursed you'll be going out. Cursed you'll be in the city, cursed you'll be in the country. You know, cursed you'll be here, cursed you'll be there. You're just going to be cursed. If you try to keep every aspect of the law and you can't and you don't. Okay? So that's the curse. But what happened? Christ became a curse for us. It's really interesting because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's from Deuteronomy 21. And the idea says in the law that any time someone was executed for a crime worthy of death, okay? Adultery was one, murder was another one, a crime worthy of death, what the Jews would do is they would stone them, right? Pick up big rocks. Actually, they'd put them kind of down in a pit. Big rocks, they'd throw rocks on them, okay, and kill them. And then, not only do we kill you, we take your body and we lift it up on a tree so that everybody can see it. That's if you're a really, really bad criminal and so you lift them up so that everyone can see this person is cursed by god that's the idea that's what it says hang them on a tree this person's cursed by god 
in the Old West, right? Took that another, another step. We'd hang them on a tree, right? See it out there? That's what, what we did, right? So that everyone knows this person is a criminal, this person is cursed. And so they're hung, hung from the tree. But Jesus experienced the Roman form of execution. The Roman form of execution was crucifixion. On a tree, right? Wooden, a wooden post, cross post, cross member. On a tree, he gets lifted up, right? And Isaiah 53 says, and we esteemed him stricken by God. We esteemed him as cursed by God. So that everyone that looked upon him said, this guy must be cursed. Must be cursed. And you know what? He was cursed. He was cursed. Not because he did anything deserving of it whatsoever. He kept every aspect of the law. He lived up to the entire, all the standards that God set. He did it all. But he became a curse because he knew Marty couldn't do it. Right? 2,000 years later, he knew you couldn't do it. 2,000 years later, he knew none of us could do it for all eternity. So he became a curse for us that we might move from the curse side of the ledger over to the blessing side of the ledger. Right? That's what he did. He died for our sins. You're exactly right. But even beyond that, he died so that you don't have to live under the law. So you don't have to perform anymore. So that now we get to walk in the gospel of grace and not in the covenant of the law. (laughs) So why do we keep trying to come back under the law? Duh. Right? We do. We start saying, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to pray more. No, you don't. What you have to do is look upon Christ, right? Look upon Christ and recognize he became a curse for me. He bore my sins, yes, but he also bore the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 61, he bore them all. So that now I'm over on the other side of the ledger, which is Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, that says I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed, blessed is my basket, blessed is my field, blessed is my children, the offspring, everything's blessed. That's the blessing of Abraham. It might come upon me a Gentile. I'm not a Jew by birth, but I'm a Jew by adoption, right? I've been engrafted into the covenant of Abraham because Jesus became a curse for me. He satisfied the law on my behalf. Woo, good deal, right? It's a good deal that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. Here's the best synopsis of what that blessing is. It's Deuteronomy, excuse me, Leviticus 26.12. I think we have that coming up, don't we? Leviticus 26.12. There it is. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Whoo! <laughs> All those gods we've got out there, you can pick any one of them, but our God says, I'll be your God, and you shall be my people. That's, that's right. That's worth applauding about. And that's all because Jesus became a curse for us. He fulfilled the law. You know what he meant when he said, it is finished on the cross? You know, the last thing he said, his father said, it is finished. What's finished? The old covenant. The law. The curse of law. It's finished. He's done. I fulfilled it. I've done it. And then he gave up his ghost. Right? He gave up his spirit right there. Okay? That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That's us. By faith. By faith. That's the last key. Right? He is our God. We are his people. That means whatever we need in a God, 
Think about that. Whatever you need in a God, peace, provision, security, wholeness, wellness, total and complete well-being, whatever you need in a God, whatever you're looking for in all those other gods that are available out there, you can find it in one big G God, Jehovah God, right? God the Father, you can find it there. Because Jesus was hung on a tree and because he became a curse for us so that we might live by faith and not rely on our own performance anymore, anymore. That's the gospel of grace. That's the gospel that we live in, right? So, as the saying goes in golf, swing easy and let the club do the work for you, right? Amen. In the church, we trust God and let the work of Jesus sanctify and cleanse us by the washing of the water of the Word. Amen? Amen. Good. Okay. That's it. I think that's it. We're done. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.